What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Forgotten Jesus Podcast with Andrew Bolton. Today, we have our guests, Robbie Gallaty and Candy Gallaty. The crew, the crew dared me to say that. Yeah, the, <laughs> and you're the you're the you're the main star of the show. I am we're today, so glad you're here. today, Pastor, we're talking about the number eight. You're doing so good. You don't even have our timer going. You're <laughs> doing so. Like, you see, you were so you were so excited <laughs> to get started <laughs> and say that line. I was. Okay, I was. we're talking about the number eight. No, do you know what the number eight stands for? Uh, over completion. Yes, too much. Too much. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, we're talking about genealogy and gematria in the uh, lineage of Jesus in okay. the Gospel of Matthew. And so let's kind of dive right into it. And we're going to ask the question, Andrew, why start a book? Why start the New Testament, in a sense, Okay. with a genealogy? Why would you do that? If you're reading the Bible for the first time and you're coming to here, why do you do that? Well, if I'm reading the Bible for the first time, and I get to genealogy, I skip over it, yes. and I start reading everything else, <laughs> if I'm honest with How you. many listeners do the same? Probably many, huh? Candy? I don't now, but I used right. to. Right. Uh, well, I would think if it's starting off with a genealogy, there's somebody's trying to prove something. Yes, they're trying to prove something. Okay, we uh, begin with three words, the genealogy, or three names, the genealogy of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, Mashiach, okay. the genealogy of David, David, and the genealogy David. of... David, yeah, and Avraham, uh, or Abraham, okay? Mm. Matthew begins his book with an Easter egg. Did you know this? I did not. Okay, so let's Easter's take... Yet. Don't yeah. tell us, let us guess. Okay, figure it out. There are three names, okay. and I want you to take the first letter, first letter of each of the names, okay? So Jesus, let's say, Mashiach, Messiah, M, okay. Messiah. David starts with D, Dalit. And Abraham starts with A, Ooh. Alpha. If you reverse the names in, in order they're supposed to come, Abraham, David, Messiah, you get the name Adam. Mm, wow. Adam. We're supposed Which to be guessing here. Adam. Yeah, I didn't think you guess guessed that. I just guessed. Adam. <laughs> you got it. Bingo. I got it. Adam. Adam is the word for man. Right. The first man. And so in a sense, yes, he's the son of David, son of Abraham, but he's also the son of man. Okay. So is that a coincidence that like, hey, if you read it this way and reverse it, it says this. Like that sounds like playing a record backwards and yeah. it says- This ain't no record. You know, hell Satan or something. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, well, <laughs> No, it actually says Adam, not Satan, by the way. I'm not no, saying no, the Bible no, says that. No, I think I think it's a nod to to Adam. I, yeah. I do think I don't think it's by now you could read this and say, ah, it's a coincidence. Yeah. But you could also read the whole genealogy and say it's a coincidence that it's fourteen, three right. sets of fourteen, which are divisible by seven, and Jesus is the seventh. So, so at this point, we're beyond coincidence with mm -hmm. God, right? Like everything right. in the Bible orchestrated word, intentional. Yeah, we, we, we used to learn in seminary that not only are the words inspired or the encounters inspired, but the actual letters are inspired, right, wow. in the Bible. Every letter is inspired by God, meaning there's no coincidences right. in the Bible. And yet, again, in your life, there's no there are no coincidences in your life. Right. Whew. God like works it. all things, good and bad, for mm -hmm. his good, and our good and his glory. So uh, aren't you glad that uh, we don't believe in open theism? which is a technical term that means God is sitting next to you as you're in the driver's seat and he's right. looking out the window of the future and learning things in real time like you are. Right. Like when hurricane, yeah, this is what opened the, I don't believe in this. and it's, Then he it's wouldn't be God. It's heresy. Right, this ceases to be God. But there's some- Who believes in that? Well, there's some scholars out there who would call themselves Christians who would say they believe in open theism. And the idea is, is that 
God's learning just like you. When Hurricane Katrina took out our house, poo, that was a surprise to God. Yeah. Where'd that come from? Mm. But he's God, so he enacts and makes changes. That's not how God works. Yeah. And that's not a God we want to serve. Right. Right? Aren't you glad that God is in control of everything? I tell people this about the Bible. God actually wrote the Bible starting with the last line of Revelation. He actually wrote the book backward in a sense. He started with the end, wrote it backward, and then let it go in real time. Mm. It's like one of those cars you you pull you back. Pull it back and, and you let, let it, it go. go in real yeah. time. Yeah. Meaning he know he 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 not only knows the end because he created the end. Right. Right. So uh okay, so the genealogy of Matthew. Why is Matthew writing this genealogy? There are two reasons. Right. Okay. One is he is going to prove and validate Mary, that she is the mother of Jesus, virgin birth, but also Mary had a question mark over her life, most of her life uh, in Nazareth because of the betrothal process with Joseph. I believe there were a lot of questions about Mary. Even the Pharisees at one time called Jesus a mamzer. Mm. Which would be an outcast. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a curse word in a sense. I don't want to say it, but it's a yeah. I don't want to say it, but it's Ooh, a, I know we can bleep that out. It's a B word, but it's oh, a, it's yes. a word that means he is born out of wedlock and he illegitimately. is illegitimately illegitimate. It's a better Wait, word. Thank which you. Word? What word? Yeah, starts with a B. Starts I'm with just a B. Kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, just kidding. It ends with a D. He is something. Him trying to get us to curse on on on. Or we lose all our viewership. You already said Mamzer. Yeah, Mamzer is an outcast, an illegitimate child. The Pharisees actually say that to him. Right. You're you're an illegitimate child. Wow. Okay, so that's what the townspeople believed about Mary. And what I, what he's doing first is he's showing that this is not uncommon. This is the character of God. Mm -hmm. But the second reason he gives the genealogy. And this is the point. Now, let me just prepare you. What I'm going to teach you today or next week, because we never know how. <laughs> we know we, how this goes. We know how this goes. Uh, but you will hear it in the next two weeks. I'm going to make a statement to you about this genealogy you may never have heard before, but I'm going to back it up with Scripture. Now, do I know this is 100% what it said? No, this is a perspective. Right. But I'm going to give you a perspective about the genealogy you may have never heard, and that is this. Matthew is trying to get the elephant in the room identified because the elephant in the room is this. Everybody in Nazareth, okay, you got, you got to remember, people in Jerusalem, Nazareth, Israel, they were big on genealogy, okay? Ancestry.com has nothing on the Jewish people knowing their lineage, right. right? They all knew their lineage. Why? Why did they have to know their lineage? Uh, I think everything... Like everything mattered, everything hinged on the lineage. Like the lineage of where the Messiah comes from matters yep. just as much as anything the Messiah does. But bigger than the Messiah. Why yeah. would you need to know you're of the tribe of Benjamin? Why would you need to know well, you're of the land allotment? Land allotment. Okay. Promises, curses, and Messiahship. And purpose. Like there were certain tribes that did certain things. Yeah. Levites were yeah. priests. Yeah. They, they didn't all, have any land. They, they didn't have any land. So the, the gift of for them was the temple. Right. Not all Levites are priests, but all priests are Levites. Right. Right. But we learned that before. Okay. So they had to know the lineage. Now, the problem is when the Babylonian captivity happened, a lot of the records were destroyed or lost. Uh, when the Maccabean revolt happened in the 170s, 68, they, they, they lost the lineage in reports again. But there was one community that was militant with keeping records of their past. One small town that was overlooked and looked over. 
so small it wasn't even a blip on the maps in the early days. Do you know what town that was? It was a town or a tribe? It was a town. Nazareth. Bingo. Ding, ding, ding. Bingo, bingo. He's on it today. I'm just telling you. What He's you, been on it. Last what are you drinking over there? Uh, this is Coffee. Starbucks cinnamon dolce with uh, sweet and cream silk. Really? Yeah, Where, where's silk. mine at? Uh, Robert. Okay. <laughs> no, Robert, Robert <laughs> we, don't, we don't drink Starbucks here. We drink Legacy Coffee. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, the, down, down below at the uh, Legacy Coffee Shop. Okay. But this is the thing. Um, the idea is Nazareth kept copious records. Why? Because the town of Nazareth, I don't know if you know, is connected to an Old Testament prophecy from the book of Jeremiah, which he said that the that the the lineage or, or the Messiah will come through the shoot of who? Do you remember this? Jesse? Through the shoot of who? Jesse. Okay. I think it's Jeremiah. It may be uh, Isaiah. Is I think Jeremiah it's, 22? Is it Jeremiah 22? What, what, uh, I'm sorry. It's Isaiah 11. It's either Jeremiah or Isaiah. they both prophets, but a little different. Isaiah 11, 1. It says, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. Okay? The, the shoot there is a word, is the word, the Hebrew word, netzer. Netzer, shoot. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get the root netzereth or nazareth. Mm -hmm. So the, 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 the people of Nazareth knew and believed that the Messiah would come from them because they lived in some affectionately called shoot town. Right. <laughs> Branchville. That's where they lived, okay? So everybody in Nazareth had records diligently kept through the years. Yeah. So they knew that Andrew's father's 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 father is Simeon. They knew that Candy's family goes back to Judah, okay? Robbie's goes to Benjamin. They knew that, okay? So what the elephant in the room surrounding Joseph was... Joseph has one of the requirements of Messiahship, but he is disqualified from being the father of the Messiah on another side because of a one, one word from a man named Jeconiah. So we're going to get to that second, but I'm going to show you that the reason Matthew has the genealogy there is not to prove that Joseph's lineage goes back to King David and through all the way mm -hmm. back to Abraham. Yeah. It's to prove that we know that Joseph cannot be the father of Jesus because he is disqualified in his lineage. We'll get to that later. Let's get to the first one, the easier. I got candy hanging on the edge of her seat. <laughs> Processing right now. Processing, yes. Okay. Scoot the seat up, you won't fall off. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, let's go to Matthew. We're going to read the genealogy. Uh, we're not going to read all of them, but I want you to just notice right out the gate, uh, we'll start in verse 2, Candy. So we'll read verses two through six, and we're gonna pick up a few of them right away. Okay. Okay. All right, verse two. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez okay, that's the first one, Tamar. So circle that if you're following along. If you're driving, no, but following along, circle Tamar. Keep going. Okay. Perez. Fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon yeah. fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Sam, I like to say Salmon, but I play it for Salmon. Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Number two. That's the second one. Boaz. Yep. By Rahab. I mean Rahab. Rahab. Number two. Rahab. Sorry. Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered King David. Okay, so now we have three. So we have Tamar. Mm -hmm. We have Rahab. We have 
Ruth. And let's read one more. We'll pick them all up. Look at, look at verse 6. Jesse uh, fathered David. Yes, and David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. By Uriah's wife, who we know as who? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Okay, mm. so in the genealogy of Jesus, we no. have... Oh, go ahead. Just going to say, you know what's interesting is... Okay. Bathsheba is almost always considered Uriah's wife. Okay. Why is that? I don't know. It's very interesting to me. Mm. It's, it's, an, it's too far for us to go down, but I just think it's interesting that most places that she's listed, she's listed as Uriah's wife. And not by name? Yeah, correct. Now, sometimes she is, but a lot of times when she's being described, she's described as Uriah's wife, which she was Uriah's wife. Right. Um, but I mean, we know eventually, you know, she's with David and all that but she's always referred to as Uriah's wife. Okay, why? Why do you think? She wasn't David's wife. Well, because Uriah, the, the Matthew's trying to teach us something. Yeah. Something about Uriah. Where was Uriah from? What was he a part of? He was Uriah the Hittite. And that's the point Matthew's trying to make. Mm. He's trying to make that Uriah was a Hittite, which is teaching about the culture and context. Okay, but that's, we digress. Okay, that's good. So we have four names of four women. Why is this odd in a genealogy? Well, I think typically in a genealogy, you have men listed. Yes. Nor, well, and you would think it makes sense because father, father, fathered. Right. And so you have the father. But in this case, you have four women. Right. And these four women are not the women you would line up as front of the line, super spiritual, righteous, in a sense, perfect past. Yeah. Right? I mean, they have, yeah, interesting... They have checkered past, they have difficult stories, and, and guess what they all have in common? Not only are they four women, number two, three of them, what? Three of the women are actually involved in sexual immorality. Right. And all of them are Gentiles. Why are non-Jewish, sexually perversive or per, uh, sexually active, immor right. immorally, women engaged or, or, or included in the genealogy. Why in the world would you do that? Let, let's take each of them. Tamar and Rahab were Canaanites. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we know that from the text. Ruth was what? A Moabite. Moabite. And then Uriah, the wife, uh, the husband of uh, Bathsheba, was a Hittite. Hittite. So you have these three non-Jewish connections, okay? Mm -hmm. Then you also have the sexual morality. Bathsheba is the result of what? She's the victim of Rape, yeah. albeit done to her, but she's, right. she's part of a, an immoral, adulterous situation right. that was brought upon her. What about Tamar? You remember the story of Tamar? Mm -hmm. And you go back to Tamar in the beginning, and um, Tamar was what? Ancestral prostitution or, or an ancestral oh, wow. relationship. She's not prostitution. She was part of an ancestral relationship with a family member. Rahab was a prostitute and Ruth was a Moabite. Now, but we don't know Rahab if she was a prostitute by choice or not choice. Yeah, so yeah. it's important to think about that. Yeah, and we have two connections to Rahab being this way. We have one in the book of James that says she was a harlot. So we don't know if she was engaged in prostitution by choice. That's a good point. Or she was forced in it. But regardless, they have checkered past. Sure. And but then, don't we all? Don't we all? I think that's the point. Oh, where yeah. you, oh, you see, you're getting to yeah, the point. Okay. Skipping ahead. You're skipping ahead, but that's good. So Ruth was a what? <laughs> Ruth was a Moabite, mm -hmm. and Moabites by nature. We don't know how bad Ruth was or engaged in, but Moabites by nature were engaged in ancestral relationships be between Lot and his daughter. Wow. 
or Moab was, okay? So the idea here is you have all of these women with sexual immorality, some of them, um, a lot of them out of wedlock. Why, why, why do you put that into the genealogy of Jesus? Well, you're obviously, to you're trying to prove a point. Mm -hmm. At what point are you trying to prove? Yes, okay. Yeah. What is the question mark that, you're going to understand, Mary and Joseph from the beginning in a small town of Nazareth, probably, you got to put yourself into Nazareth. Let me, let me let you think about Nazareth. Nazareth was such a small town that early maps did not even place it uh, on the entire map. There was no even dot for Nazareth. It was so insignificant. It was a backwoods, podunk, you know, in the middle of the country, town that had about, guess how many people they estimate were in Nazareth at the time of Jesus? How many people lived in Nazareth? A couple hundred. Okay. I was going to say a thousand. A thousand? That's a good guess. About 200. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. <laughs> Two to 300. Is that crazy? Two to 300 people. So everybody, wow. Everybody knew everybody. And, and you got to understand, it was communal. Mm, okay. And people were related and everybody knew everybody. Yeah. You knew everybody in that town. Because remember, they didn't live in suburbs. They lived in insulas, where if a son gets married, they build onto the house and right. they move in. So everybody knew everybody, right? So if if Andrew and Jenny or Robbie and Candy, uh, all of a sudden they start dating and then they get betrothed. And then all of a sudden we know in the betrothal process, there's no intimacy until the marriage happens. And Candy comes out or Jenny comes out and she's pregnant. And you go ask her, hey, how are you pregnant? She said, I know this sounds crazy, but it was mm. God. It was God. Yeah. Right. You're like, come on, man. Really? Like, we know how these things Come happen. on. And yeah. you got to remember, Mary, we believe, was 14 or 15, yeah. wow. which was not uncommon back then. Mm -hmm. Maybe 16, but I think she's probably 14 or 15. Yeah. So this is a young girl saying, hey, no, you have to believe me. An angel visited me. I was impregnated by the angel. Joseph had nothing to do with it. Then you got Joseph's whole perspective, and he's trying to believe his wife. And so you have this question mark from the beginning yeah. of sexual immorality on the, on the couple that right. is going to raise Jesus. Wow. Think about this. It hangs over them forever. It loom, it's a dark cloud, I think, over their life, even to the end. And when Jesus is approached by the Pharisees, they know all about it. You're an illegitimate child. We know your story. Yeah. Don't come here and say an angel impregnate you. Come on, man. You, you got to come with something better. And so you have this question mark, which is why I think leaving Nazareth, going to Egypt, and coming back a few years later was probably good because the dust settled and mm -hmm. time was their friend. Okay? Right. So you have, why would Matthew put these four ladies in? Matthew is showing right out the gate. This is the character of our God. We serve a God that takes people who are outcast, people who have checkered past, people who are overlooked, people who have past that are despicable and despised with guilt and shame. And man, I think all three of us at the table resonate with right. this, right? Yeah, for sure. You never, you, I mean, you, you think about this. When I, when I first started sharing my testimony, I remember the first time I've ever, I've ever, shared, or ever shared it, I got invited to go preach. Uh, it was first sermon really I'd ever delivered. I got, I got invited to go preach at the Brantley Center, which was the homeless shelter in New Orleans downtown. Right. And um, the guy said, hey, would you come share your testimony? I think you would connect with the people. And uh, so I go. My parents decide to come because they can't believe that right. their son here, who not long ago was on drugs and alcohol, is, quote, now called to be a preacher, whatever that right. means, and they're going to come listen. And my parents don't know any better, so mom and dad show up dressed in Sunday attire. <laughs> to the homeless shelter. To the homeless shelter. 
Dad's got his button-down shirt, his khaki pants, right. you know, his floor shimes. Mom's dressed up, you know, with a nice shirt and, and pants. And so they're in there, and we're at the homeless shelter. There's about 75 people show up for this thing. I was pretty overwhelmed, you can imagine. I never preached in my life before. But I knew God had called me to share the mm -hmm. word. And I made a deal with the Lord. If you save me, I'll share my testimony. So I get up right. and I share my testimony for the first time. Not like I shared today, but, you know, former drug addict, alcoholic, result of a wreck and addiction, $200 a day heroin and cocaine addiction, two rehabs, multiple times falling. And by God's grace, radically saved November 12, 2002, just two months ago. Wow. And that's all I said was, if you want to know the same Jesus that I know, I'm going to ask you to stand right. I didn't know how to give an invitation. I just knew right. to stand. And seven guys, Andrew, that day stood mm -hmm. up. You could sense the Lord's presence in, in a palpable way that yeah. night. And they came in and hugged me, embraced yeah. me, and said, man, if God can save you from that, he can yeah. say, okay, so we leave. We go to the, we're, we're heading to the parking lot. And my dad, who, who doesn't know anything about church or ministry, pulls me aside and he says, son, that was awesome. You know, I really, and they're not even believers at this right. point, right? My dad pulls me aside and he says, son, that is a great testimony you shared, you know, whatever your story. But I would ask you not to share that ever again. Oh, really? So he told me. Yeah. Now he doesn't know how, you know, testimony. Right. And, and he was just saying, that was your past. Right. Yeah. You don't need to share that. That's behind you. Move on plow a new direction. Yeah. And I didn't know much in the ministry at that point, but I said to my dad, I said, dad, I, I love you. I appreciate that. I appreciate what you're saying, but I don't think that's right. Yeah. I believe God brought me through that testing, through that suffering, through that trial to give me a testimony. And that's what he does, right? If you're listening, God takes us through the mess of life. And on the other side, we have a message to share, right? God brings us through excruciating testing mm -hmm. because he tests those he loves. In fact, if yeah. you're listening, if he wasn't testing you or, or bringing you to a place of, of strength and, and growth, he, he wouldn't love you. Test those he loves, right? right? And I would say, remember, testing in the Bible is never to break you down. It's always to build you up. Right. God only tests a person whom he loves, not to destroy them, but to build them up. He knows what's inside of them already. He wants the person to know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I told my dad, I love you, but I, I think I'm going to share that. And so now here we are 21 years later and um, still sharing the testimony and God has used that. And I'm not saying if, you, if you're new to the Lord or just came to Christ, you have to go out and put on a billboard, which you're safe from. But I think you shouldn't be ashamed of where God has brought you from mm -hmm. to where you are today. And here's simply how you share a testimony. This is who I was before Christ. Right. This is what happened when I met Christ. Don't forget this. And here's what's happened since I've come to Christ. Right. Yeah. Man, okay. that is so encouraging. How encouraging okay. is it that God from the very beginning was painting this picture of Jesus even has this bloodline of mistakes. Because I remember when I first came to Christ, when God started calling me into ministry, which I believe we're all called to ministry, not just vocational ministry, but wherever you live your life, the first thought that kept creeping in was, who are you? Who are you to do yeah. this? Who are you to, to talk to people about this? Yeah. But God was very intentional to teach us in that way. Hey, real quick, how many guys stood up? Seven. 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 Wow, I didn't think about, about that. that. I didn't think like about that. Like it confirmed completely. Wow, I've told that story for years. I never thought yeah, about it. Yeah, that's you're really welcome. Cool.
You're welcome. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, Pastor, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I cannot wait to get into the next episode next week. Hey, if you are enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave a review. Uh, shout out to whoever left us a one-star review. I don't, I don't know who you are, but <laughs> yeah, I man. doubt you listen to the podcast. You yeah. just don't like it. So, no, right. uh, But if you can leave us a five-star review, we that would reviews, be awesome. Yeah. I need it to go from 4.9 back to 5, so I'd appreciate that. And if any of this content is helpful, be sure to share it with a friend. And don't forget... We now have discussion guides that go along with each episode. So if you want to continue the conversation with your friends, all you got to do is click on the show notes and you'll find the discussion guides there. Well, Pastor, thank you so much, Candy. Thank you. And we'll see you guys on the next episode.